Hello and welcome to the AfterZone podcast, where we learn about a Bible topic, character, or concept. And today we're learning about creation as we study the sermon six days. Do you want your uh, interpretive filter to be that of, as you said, secular scientists who do not use the Bible as their authority, or do we use Scripture as their authority? God's saying, I have to be first. Obviously, as the creator of everything, what you're really doing is saying, I believe them over God's word, and I am idolizing them. They are my God. Hi, my name is Christopher, and ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat, because today we have with us, I'm not going to call him Mr. Peterson, because that would be me, or our dad. Pastor? Yeah, Pastor Peterson. Master. Oh, Master Peterson. And now nah, that's too pretentious, but here we have with us Daniel Peterson. Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself, yourself to the podcast? Well, hello. I'm glad to be on the podcast, and uh, my name is Daniel Peterson. I'm actually the the brother of Christopher Peterson, mm-hmm. the younger brother, that would be. That's true. And we have one more, but uh, he has yet to have made an appearance on the podcast as of yet, uh, mostly because I think he'd be more interested in talking about Lego than uh, anything else, or roller coasters. You know what? We just dated this podcast, because I guarantee you, in six months, he'll probably be into something different. Probably. And we've just dated it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's great to have you on the podcast, and uh, this is your third sermon that you've preached, right? Third one. So you've preached, fourth, I, know I, you've, I know you've preached the same message uh, twice, twice, but this is the third, like, um, actual content sermon that you've yeah, presented. Yeah, so I preached, the first one was Praying for Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I, pray, I preached a, a sermon on King Josiah. Um, and I've preached this one, and I preached one about uh, life after death. Awesome. Cool. What of life after death? When was that one? That was a while ago. Huh. We both did one on life after death, actually. Yeah, yeah. The state of the dead, so. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's get into our quick recap. But just before we do, if you haven't watched the sermon, six days, go to the link below. Come back here later because this podcast is full of spoilers. With that out of the way, let's get into a quick recap. So, in the sermon six days, I covered biblical authority. And really it was about um, seeing what does the Bible have to say about Genesis and the creation and how the universe was created. Should we look at what the Bible says? Or should we look at what scientists say? Um, I really, I covered a few points. Uh, we looked at the translation of Genesis, and especially the word yom, and we had a look at what that meant in context and the different meanings behind it. Um, and if you, if you watch the sermon, then you will know what they are. Um, another point I looked at was uh, Numbers chapter 7, and why this whole chapter actually proves... Um, that the translation of Genesis should be taken at face value. Uh, We looked at the origin of the seven-day week and why the seven-day week proves um, creation. We also looked at the way that um, uh, we perceive God and 
how when you don't take Genesis literally, it actually changes the way we perceive God. The last point I looked at was death before sin and what that actually does to the gospel message. Because you see, the whole message of the gospel is that uh, death only entered the world upon the entry of sin. So we cannot have death before sin. That's basically the main outline of the sermon. And uh, it's, it's structured like that the, the whole way through. And it really gives a good overview of why Genesis should be taken literally as, uh, and the creation story should be taken literally. Alright, so let's get into our personal takeaways. What did you think about the sermon? Well, I really like it. Um, for me, this topic is really interesting. I have, uh, I looked into it quite a lot, um, back when I was a little bit younger, around about your age as well, and uh, I haven't looked at it in a while, and so I really liked almost like having this really good refresher about why is it that we can be so confident in what the Bible has to say and why we use it as our authority. And I think it's important because, um, particularly in this day and age, a lot of Christians are unfortunately sacrificing their faith. Um, well, their faith for what really is just, uh, you could say is just another form of faith, uh, really. I think, um, the the scientific processes used to even uh, validate a lot of these um, claims about the old age of the earth or the evolutionary Darwinian evolutionary theory we see none of these sciences are uh, precise nor perfect in the way that they're able to measure and make these claims um, it's not testable or repeatable uh, and so it's very difficult. What what we're dealing with really is historical science, where you have to kind of look back at the evidence. And I think that's the, the primary issue. A lot of people think that um, there's evidence for evolution, but everyone looks at the exact same evidence. It's people's interpretations which are different. And so really you have to pick which filter that you want to go th through. Do you want your uh, interpretive filter to be that of, as you said, secular scientists who do not use the Bible as their authority, or do we use scripture as their authority? And I think if we don't shake away from that, and if we do, as you said, use the Bible as our authority, we see that, um, we see the value in that. And so I really appreciated uh, what you brought out of that sermon. And for me, it was uh, really good, especially intertwining it with how not only does this affect how we view the world, but it also affects how we look at um, our own theology, as you pointed out. Like, for example, if you get rid of creation, or you change it to perhaps, like, theistic evolution, um, which, put simply, is just God using evolution, you completely change the whole gospel message. Now it's not man bringing sin into the world, or death into the world, death's death brings man. And so, you know, just like the whole narrative of the Bible is kind of thrown off uh, kilt, so no big deal. Um, so I really liked how you looked at the different the different areas in which this, uh, this topic really has an impact on what we believe. Yeah. Um, I think I really like the way you, uh, you talked about 
the evidence, how we have the same evidence, but the interpretation is different. Mm. Because two people can look at two different things, I can guarantee you that you'll get a different interpretation. So it's not really about whether you have the evidence for something or against something. All you have is the evidence. Mm. Um, And that's why in my sermon, I didn't so much talk about um, the evidence, say, geologically or carbon dating or anything like that, because because my audience was a, a church and mostly... Uh, people who already believed, I wanted to start from the Bible because um, as Christians, we've all established that the Bible is ultimate authority and it's the Word of God. Mm. Now, if the whole Bible is true, then we shouldn't even need to necessarily look at the evidence. But if, if we're talking to other believers, because we've already established the Bible is true, so from that, then we can say... Um, then we can uh, we can look at the world through through the Bible, and not compromise, but take the Bible literally. Mm. Um, because then, once you start compromising, you get all these issues popping up, and then you slowly drift away from biblical authority yeah. and try and mix it with what the scientists say. And one of the uh, predominant predominant reasons for evolution was actually to get rid of the need for God, but now we see that it's trying to be compromised. Hmm. Very interesting discussion. Well, let's keep going with our discussion. Uh, let's get to the cutting room floor, which is the main meat of our podcast, where we discuss all the parts of the sermon that didn't quite make it into the final product, and we break them down. Okay, so Daniel, uh, take us through some of the stuff that you didn't get to put in your sermon, but you'd like to share with us now. Well, this has got to be my favourite parts of... Uh, this is my favourite segment because there's obviously a lot that I didn't get to uh, put in. Uh, firstly, I think we'll start with being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to cover this in my sermon. I think I even might have mentioned it, but I didn't get to it. Um, and this is really, uh, I find this really important because, um, see, in Genesis, in Genesis 1, it says, um, God made man in his image according to his likeness. Um, and we see that uh, humans are the only uh, creatures or beings that were made in God's image, and that makes us special and different to all the other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see, like, apes and monkeys, um, they're animals, and they're not created in God's image, and as are all the other animals, they're not morally accountable um, like like we are because we're made in God's image. Mm-hmm. Um, so then if we take the, the view of theistic evolution that we evolved, um, well, at what point did we become morally accountable? Um, at what point, uh, did we become the image of God if we were animals before and they're not made in the image of God? So if we were never morally accountable, then how could we sin? Um, because sin hadn't entered the world. If, if we couldn't make that conscious decision to sin, if Adam and Eve couldn't make that conscious decision, how did sin come into the picture? Or was sin always there, as suggested by survival of the fittest and natural selection, um, and the whole idea of evolution, where you need death and sin and suffering, um, and disease. So, first of all, you know, that, that doesn't work. We have to be, it has to be the separation between uh, humans being made in the image of God and animals. 
Also, uh, we're told in the Bible that uh, to be saved, you must repent and be baptized. Well, animals can't repent, nor do they have (laughs) the ability to make the choice to be baptized, nor do they really know about God. Um, So if we were animals once, then we didn't know this, if if that's the way we evolved. Um, And what about, can other animals, you know, evolve to to uh, a higher being and, and consciousness like us and then are they me- are held morally accountable for their sins mm. um when do they start sinning because you know so we see that after the fall there, there's just too many questions that can't be answered and the only way it can be answered is to look back at genesis and say well if we take this as literal history then we don't have all these problems yeah and we're not compromising god's word I think what's good as well is that the image of God is fundamental to to a lot of the contemporary issues that we have today. For example, um, is it morally justifiable to abort a child? Um, If we believe that every single person is made in the image of God, then we also have to believe that we have no right to take the life of any person. And I suppose then, you know, the question inevitably comes, okay is the child in the womb a person? And you would find in most Christian circles the answer would be yes. Um, but there, there's lots of other issues for it as well. So, like, is you tap into things such as euthanasia or um, all sorts of topics about life and death. Even marriage has its formation in the idea that God made humanity to be complementary uh, for one another, for, for men and women to complement one another. And so there are a lot of really key uh, theological ideas and contemporary issues that can only be solved if we have that idea of the image of God, which is found at creation. Yeah, exactly. And also we need to remember that um, through the, the fall, at the fall, um, sin entered the world through, it says, through one man, Adam, and the whole of creation suffered, but the animals weren't held morally accountable. So mm-hmm. the animals and the plants, they suddenly says we have thorns now and, you know, disease. And so even though all of creation was affected, it was brought on by Adam. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've got the image of God. What else have we sort of got here? So also we have um, the idea of making yourself a god. Uh, I only touched on this very briefly. It was about a, a paragraph, so about a minute of um, me talking about this. Um, but I wanted to talk more about that, and that is uh, if we look at the the first two um, commandments of the Ten Commandments, um, and of course if they're first, these have to be some of the most important things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are the things that God really wanted to... You know, before everything else came, you have to have these two first ones. So you mm-hmm. have um, no other gods before me. So first God's saying, uh, I'm, I have to be first, you know, and obviously as the creator of everything, and um, he comes first before anything else, before anyone else. Yeah. That includes his word, the Bible. And secondly, we, um, we see a second commandment. Not only does God say, I'm first, he says, there can't be any others. Mm-hmm. He says, no idols, you know, you shouldn't be worshipping anyone else because really they're um, mortal just like you. They're, they're finite. 
they're yeah. still in sin. Um, and so we see uh, all throughout history, um, people want to exalt themselves above everyone else, and that's it comes as a result of pride. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, like Lucifer, I want to become like God, and he tells Eve in the garden, don't you want to become like God? And um, we see that this whole thing of um, pride and wanting to become higher and be your own authority mm-hmm. is is uh, trying to make yourself like God. And so that's what's really happening is when you compromise the Bible, and um, especially since we're looking at Genesis, when you compromise that and say, well, I want to listen to Bill Nye, the mechanical engineer, or <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, or Richard Dawkins, if you want to listen to any of these secular scientists, what you're really doing is saying, I believe them over God's word. Yeah. And I am idolizing them. They are now my God. Mm. And I'm making myself my God because I'm deciding to not listen to God's word. And it's interesting <clears throat> as well, if we come back to like the idea of the image of God, um, the image of God is something which you know God himself can only endow upon people. And then what we see in our society is people really playing around with the idea of being God. For example, uh, God alone should be the one who determines who lives and who dies. And yet we see every day um, the lives of innocent children is taken. Mm. Um, we're playing God with that idea. Or you always see this in... I'm surprised at how common it is in movies that you see this kind of like uh, trope of somebody wants to become like God and yeah. it's kind of evolved in more recent uh, media, I think. So, like, for example, in the ancient Greek myths, you have Prometheus. And Prometheus, like, gives humanity fire. And the Greek pantheon is not happy with that. Because, like, oh, what? They can make fire. Now they're like <laughs> us. What did you do that for, Prometheus? And so they, you know, um, punish Prometheus. But that's kind of more evolved into more of a scientific way now. Where, like, we have cautionary tales, like, for example, Jurassic Park. Um which, you know, they temper around with DNA and they bring back to life extinct species. And uh, I think it's Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's character says, you know, like, uh, you are... What does he say? What's the line? <sighs> Just because uh, you should. Uh, you didn't ever stop to think. Uh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, Just because uh, you could... You never thought uh, if you should, you know, in his dumb <laughs> voice. But that's what he says. And he just goes... With this rapid advancement of science, we just keep coming up with new ways of doing things and we gradually, you know, want to become more and more like God and we don't ever stop and think, should we be doing this? Like, should there be a limit to the advancement which we go to? Because there reaches a point where we begin to actually try and defy God. And I think you see that back in Genesis 11, right? Um, At the Tower of Babel, where God says, okay, everyone, we just had a big flood. Time to populate this earth, go and spread out. And all of humanity just looks up at God and they're just like, hmm, cool idea, but no. We're going to build a, you know, we're going to build this huge thing. We're going to reach up to heaven. Pardon me. We're going to reach up to heaven. We're going to be like God. And so God just has to do a bit of a chippy slap and just go, no, you, you can't do that. Like, that's not on. There is only one God. And it's really audacious of humanity to assume and to think that they can ever reach up to the level of God. Um, especially since we're made in his image. We're like a reflection of him, but we're not 
him. We're never going to be him. And God never intended for us to be him. He intended for us to be like him. This is exactly what we see in um, in superhero movies today. And we see that the villains always trying to exalt themselves high. They, yeah, want, yeah, yeah. they want to rule. They, they want to be above everyone else. And yeah. They're basically trying to be like God. Mm-mm. But uh, of course, they always they always fail in doing so. Even um, a lot of human made religions are always about trying to become like God. For example, Mormonism teaches that you know they believe in God, um, and they would say the God of the Bible. But I would beg to differ on them with that because they believe that the God as described in the Bible and in, in the Book of Mormon was actually once a human being yeah. or like our equivalent. And that through doing enough good works and all this sort of stuff, he eventually became a deity. And they actually have... The, this is like uh, a quote from uh, one of their like presidents, or whatever you call the head of the organization. Um, as God now is... Uh, as, as man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may be. So I'll repeat that. As man now is... God once was, as God now is, man may be. So the idea is that God was once man, and that man can now become God. And even Hinduism uh, is about becoming one with the big Brahman, which is like the the big deity, um, and just avoiding, you know, escaping the cycle of rebirth and reincarnation. Um, yeah, it's just amazing how frequently we want to become like God, or you know, people who are searching for eternal life, you know, I want to find the fountain of youth or the Holy Grail or whatever, yeah. you know, gives you eternal life so you don't have to die. We keep trying to cheat God. We keep, we keep mm. trying to defy God and God's having to be like, no. And even interestingly in in some of those movies, even in media a lot of the time, most of them are cautionary tales that are like, hey, humans, don't try and get any, you know, don't get too big for your britches. Don't get any taller than you really should be. So I find that interesting that even uh, a lot of secular media even realizes the fact that there's a level to which humanity should kind of stop before they go too far. Yeah, and we see these really fundamental differences between um, religions, how uh, Christianity is really the only one where we see this hierarchy that's set and you can't move up and down. Like, we don't have um, purgatory we can't move up and we can't win our way up to higher levels. It's all, it's through, um, through grace and it's because of our faith, right? Yeah. And so we cannot become like God. We're still humans. Um, and we, we have this hierarchy set out and we can't, um, ascend up it in the way like we see, uh, other, uh, other religions or, mm-hmm. um, like Mormonism. One last thing on, on this uh, whole idea of making yourself a god is uh, we see uh, also in in the book of Genesis we have the the story of Joseph and and Pharaoh's dream and Pharaoh as we know Pharaoh has this dream and he needs someone to interpret it and so he's told that Joseph can so when Joseph's asked can you interpret the dream Joseph says well I can't but God will reveal it to me I Mm. can't he was uh, you know humble enough to admit it's not by my power yeah. It's only because I have this connection with God that he can give me the interpretation. So we have 
we have um, God revealing himself. Yeah. Firstly, God reveals himself to Pharaoh and he reveals his word, what he has to say. But then there's an interpretation needed. So then the interpretation is given by God. It's always given by God through something or someone. Yeah. So in this case, it's through Joseph. And then Joseph... uh, So then Joseph gives Pharaoh the interpretation. And this is the same way we should see the Bible, is that God's revealing himself and his word through the Bible, and we need an interpretation for it. So then for the interpretation, we need to ask God. Mm. So we look at the Bible, because that's God's word. So it should be in the... All of our interpretations should be in the Bible, not outside the Bible. Because only God can interpret his own word. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Good point. Alright, another another thing I found interesting was the arguments that um see when I'm when I was doing uh, my research it's I think it's very important to look at both sides and even more once you have your foundation you look actually a lot at the other side of the argument because then you see the typical questions and that arise and uh the rhetoric that arises and you can really um combat that because you you've seen it happen over and over again um and one thing that I saw occur a few times was the fact that people said, oh, well, God didn't, uh, you know, make Moses write in the Bible how long it actually took because they wouldn't have known what millions was because they say, oh, they were just, you know, they herded sheep. They would have known maybe in the hundreds, you know, trading and buying grain and things like this. They mm-hmm. they were They have this idea that they were very primitive. But um, we don't know that at all, and the evidence really shows uh, quite the contrary. You see, Moses was um, actually very intelligent because he had grown up um, with an Egyptian education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can see what the Egyptians did, right, was they built these massive pyramids. <laughs> yeah, pretty smart, with, pretty smart. you know, these, these blocks of, of rock, you know, weighing several tons... And they built so super high. They were the biggest power, and um, had millions, you know, upon millions of these blocks of stone. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know um, still how it was done. Yeah. So obviously they were very intelligent. Yeah. Especially with their their farming and their use of of the Nile, and everything. So it's it's um, it's just a lie that uh, we hear over and over that people before us were very primitive. In fact, they were very intelligent. We also see Easter Island or Stonehenge, things like this, and we don't know how it happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some cases where we even uh, see artifacts or, or ancient cities, and um, even with modern equipment and machinery, um, we cannot figure out how it's done. <clears throat> yeah, I know... Um... I don't know if there's a great substantial amount of evidence for this. Um, it might be in some of the uh, writings of Ellen White, perhaps, but uh, some people hold to the idea that the people who were around before the flood were actually uh, quite intelligent. So, yeah, wh- while I wouldn't die on that hill, um, I think it's an interesting idea that the people who were around before the flood were actually quite uh, intelligent and quite advanced. And I think that would make some sense because they lived a lot longer. So there's actually quite a lot of time that took, you know, happened. How long would it have been? At least like a thousand years. Yeah. A thousand and a bit years. I mean, you know, we had, we hit our industrial revolution pretty well. 
after a thousand of years after zero BC, and if we look at it, not much happened from creation till zero BC. Oh, cool, we got the uh, the wheel and fire. You know, you know what I mean. There wasn't a lot of advancement, unless of course yeah. there was prior to the flood. Um, but yeah, even that's a bit interesting. That it almost seems like people were wanting to be like God even earlier than that, and really. I think what's interesting is you, you were talking about like how we want to interpret stuff for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And we read constantly in the book of Judges, um, and every man did was we did what was right in his own eyes, and the world was trash. Like, yeah. <laughs> as soon as humans are left to their own devices and decide what is good and bad for themselves, the world uh, turns into a dumpster fire. Everything goes absolute garbage because... We have been corrupted by sin. Even uh, when Adam and Eve, essentially what Adam and Eve are asked to do at, uh, you know, the the true knowledge of good and evil, it, it, there's obviously a d- obedience disobedience thing going on here as well. And who do you trust and who will you worship? Um, there are a lot of things going on at that time, and one of those I would say for sure is Satan tempts Adam and Eve with the idea, the notion of defining good and evil for themselves. And isn't that, again, being like God? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, also, another thing is, we see uh, uh, the the ark, right? Um, and the flood. And obviously, Noah wasn't um, wasn't very primitive if he could make a, a, such an enormous ark. And mm-hmm. um, he could have had help with, uh, with other people, tradespeople. And also, when we think about it, um, Adam must have been very intelligent also because he came straight from the hand of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God wouldn't have made a, a stupid human. Yeah. Um, so there, is, there isn't really much evidence to show that, you know, uh, there were these primitive cavemen that were bashing rocks together. Um, they were intelligent. Mm. And so they were certainly capable of building the ark and yes, they were... Exactly. Uh, they were aware enough of their surroundings to be able to... Um, well, I, I think it's interesting that God chose Moses to be um, one of his authors for the Bible, to write it down. Mm. And even as early as Job, I think Job is our earliest written book, um, if not the one that is set the earliest. Uh, well, of course, apart from creation and all that. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's super interesting. Yeah, it's... um. Also, uh, interesting, if, if we look at Abraham, right, so they say, oh, God couldn't have, have expressed this, this great number of years, millions of years, um, to the people of the time. Well, why would God compromise the truth for yeah. temporary <laughs> understanding? Because now we understand what millions is. So just, even if it were true that they didn't understand, God doesn't compromise the truth. And I'll tell you what's interesting. Okay, I, um... I'm not uh, entirely uh, expensively knowledged. That's not a good way of saying it. I'm not an expert in this field, but okay. Let's say that Abraham tells uh, God tells Abraham, "Hey, psst, Abraham, yeah, what is it, God? Uh, you know this world that everyone thinks is really like young. Yeah, yeah. What about it? Oh, it's only it's it's actually about like you know, I don't know how how what's the what's the figure now? Well, I say the um. The universe is about 14 billion. The Earth is... Three. Okay, let's go with three. Hey. I think. The Earth is three billion years old, Abraham. 
Abraham goes, whoa, whoa, that's, that's pretty cool, God. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? And then Abraham goes about his day. Like nothing mm. happened. Like what, what impact would it have on his life? Now, I'm sure, and this is why I, uh, I preface this with, uh, I'm not an expert in this, and it's because, well, it's not my worldview, but I'm assuming that maybe if, uh, if you hold to this worldview, having that idea would make you think more about, like, for example, the environment and how we've just maybe, you know, destroyed it for a lot longer than we have, or... I don't know, the fact that the sun is going to die sooner or whatever, you know, like it, it might have some effect on how you view the world and how you should take care of it because you're dealing with a differently aged earth, right? But let's just say for Abraham, what's Abraham going to do? Yeah. Like, he's not putting up really any carbon emissions or anything. He doesn't have a car that he should be reconsidering, <laughs> like, hmm, maybe I should go to electric, you know, like, or like, how's Abraham supposed to be environmentally friendly, man? He just has camels and donkeys. Like, there's not a lot that, I don't think it would have a big impact on Abraham's life. It might have an impact on some people's life now but here's the thing even then i find it uh frustrating that we're told that this is like fundamental right and i suppose it's fundamental in understanding if you think this is true the age of the earth but beyond that it doesn't really have much of an impact if you get what i mean mm. um and, and again I, I, being no expert in um the, the scientific field that people uh, put the, place themselves in, there very well could be some ramifications that I'm not considering. But, frankly, I'm not so interested because uh, I don't see them as a source of authority. Yeah. Uh, I would align myself... And here's the other thing I think we should say. Uh, I think it's a false argument to say that it's like science versus faith. Yeah. Um, I think that you have scientists on both sides. <laughs> It's just a matter of how each is interpreting the evidence given to them. Yeah. And that's why we do have some scientists who use Scripture as their authority and use Scripture as their lens to look at uh, things through. And I suppose um, it, uh, this is important as well. We should say, why is it that we put so much authority with Scripture? If, listener at home, you would like to know why we can rely on the Bible and why it is a trustworthy source of authority, go to our Mighty Warrior Ministries website, and there you will find, if you go to the Bible Studies tab, go to the very first Bible study uh, called World's Best Seller, and there are some really great uh, evidence there for how the Bible is not only reliable in what it contains, but is actually divinely inspired by God. So uh, we won't delve into that there, but we have that resource up online for anyone to go and look at, so go check that out. Right, so what you said about the uh, this idea of, of science versus faith, um, we see that prop up all the time everywhere, and um, really it's uh, it can get quite annoying to hear this, this rhetoric over and over because it's, it's a false dichotomy. Yeah. It's not actually um, science versus faith, you know, facts versus fantasy, religion <laughs> versus science, because... We all believe in science. We all believe in empirical science. Mm-hmm. Believing in creation or evolution doesn't make you a better or worse scientist. Um, so it's it's not this dichotomy that you've been given. It's actually belief system versus belief system. Mm-hmm. There is no empirical evidence for evolution. No one was there to see it. Uh, we can't look back in the past. It's already happened. Science is what we can do in the future and what we can observe. Uh, sorry, what we can observe in the present. Um, it's not. Uh, something in the past because yeah. then that's history yeah. we look at that in history class not in science class yeah 
And uh, if we quickly come back to Abraham, uh, we have this promise that uh, God makes with him, this covenant. He says, you know, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Well, I mean, obviously, you can't count the stars. That was the whole point. Yeah, yeah. So why could not have God? Why could God have not said, uh, you know, the the time it took me to create was as numerous as the stars. You can't count it. It's millions. Mm-hmm. Even today, we we can't count exactly the amount of people. We know it's um, just over seven billion. Yeah. Um, but that's something that you can't count. So there's there's multiple different ways that God could have expressed. Um, how he created the world. Mm. And I think it would, if God is a God of truth, you know, and he wants his people to understand everything about him, and, you know, he, we're told that God cannot lie nor can he deceive, why would he place basically a false account of creation at the very beginning? Yeah, exactly. If I, if I, can't, if I can't trust the first two pages of this book as being reliable, why would I trust the rest of it, you know? And that's that's the big thing. A lot of a lot of secular scientists will make that argument. They say, well, you know, our our interpretation of the evidence uh, has shown that the first two pages of Genesis of the Bible doesn't work. Therefore, why should I trust the rest of the Bible? And so this is why it's such an important topic, I think, for us to study, right? Because if we can't defend those first two pages, um, you know, why am I bothering reading the rest of the book, you know? Yeah, exactly. And Genesis is extremely foundational to the rest of the Bible. It, it tells us the the story of this perfect world that was created and how sin entered the world. And really, that's just a precursor to everything else that happens of the whole story of salvation. Why we need salvation? Because we're living in a sinful world. Mm. All right, so the next thing that I really want to put into the sermon, because I thought it was very interesting, but um, I didn't, I wasn't able to, I didn't have time, was looking at the implementation and the origin of the seven-day week. Now, we did look at this a little bit in the sermon, but there's uh, one specific uh, historical event that I want to talk about that I didn't get to, and this is the Russian five-day week. See, we have historians, and they've searched for ages trying to find uh, the origin, and, you know, but us as Christians say, it's it's here, it's in the Bible, it's in it's in the first few chapters of the Bible, but mm-hmm. none of them want to look there. Yeah. So even though we have the only actual um, reason for the origin, uh, they don't want to look at uh, something religious. They want to find a naturalistic reason or yeah, some yeah. other <laughs> reason for this. Um, so if we look at uh, the Russian five-day week, we can see that throughout history there have been a few attempts to, to change the week. Um, Russia, of course, being defiant, wanted to do it. But they had two main reasons, and that was, um, well, one, to be defiant and uh, to be different, but also to uh, they believed it would advance them uh, economically and that um, they would be a more efficient and industrious country. Okay. So they wanted to, they wanted to have these, um, this five-day week where everyone had different shifts and you, it would basically be a 24-7 or more like a 20, more like a 24-5. <laughs> type of environment where you get what? one day off, work four days, get one day off, and you don't get a, a choice. That sounds terrible. <laughs> so you may be working a different, you may have a different um, day off than your wife, and that means you rarely get to see your children, you know, you don't get a choice, you don't get to see your friends, it's, it's just the way it is when you're under that sort of government. Um, <laughs> and of course the problem was this. with this was um, the machines didn't get a break. They were they were working most of the time, so 
when a machine broke down, uh, you would have this problem of, you know, we need to fix it, but there's people on shifts and they're supposed to be working. Um, and basically it tired, it tired out the whole population. Um, the morale, uh, decreased, uh, rapidly. And you, you had a, a sad country where these people are depressed because they're, um, under these laws where they don't get a decision on, um, on their work hours and things like that. Um, so that was the, the first reason. And the second reason was they just wanted to eradicate God. Yeah. Because they saw in the Bible, this was, this is the only, uh, explanation of the origin of the seven day week. And they said, well, we, d- we don't want religion because then that's a higher authority than us. They want to get rid of it. So if, if they get rid of the, the seven day week, something that's, that's fundamental. And also with the Sabbath, you know, the Ten Commandments, it's repeated all throughout the Bible. You have this idea of seven being a holy number and seven days of the week. Yeah. Seventh yeah. day of rest, Sabbath. They just wanted to get rid of that altogether. So they, so the, uh, their citizens, the people of Russia, weren't reminded. Um, but, of course, eventually it didn't end up working. Um, at first, when they wanted to implement it, they weren't too keen. But then when they saw what they thought were advantages, they, they were right for it. Then after, I think it was about three years, they uh, decided it wasn't working, but they didn't want to give up because they didn't want to admit defeat. Yeah. So they changed it to a six-day week. Oh my goodness. They had that six-day <laughs> week. Just give up, guys. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to work. They had the six-day week for close, I think, about 10 to 13 years. I, I haven't looked at this in a while. 10 to 13 years? Get out. What but they... Earth? So in, in Russia, I'm not sure ex- exactly about this, um because it was a while ago that I looked at it, but uh, they didn't want to change back to the seven-day week. They wanted to be defined. And eventually, they gave up and said, you know, this isn't working. Um, So eventually now, they've come back to the seven-day week because they realised... Good job, Russia. (laughs) They realised if you go against God and, you know, something that's fundamental, the the holiness of of the, the number seven... Uh, it's not going to work out well mm. when you try and go against God. I think. And and yeah, suppose there we go. There's our final little illustration of man being God, trying to be God. Oh, I can change the, the week that God made. Nah, not going to work. Okay, so Daniel, do you have any recommended readings for us if our listeners want to learn more about creation and all of the interesting topics we looked at today? Yes, I have quite a few. Um, I really enjoyed researching this topic, and uh, one very good book is by a man named Jonathan Sarfati, and that is Refuting Compromise, and this looks at the idea of biblical authority and everything that we've covered um, and I've, I got a lot of information from, from this book. It's a very good book to look through chapters and pick out what you want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has some other books, and you can find him on YouTube. Uh, of course, I use the Bible. That's where I got all, all my Bible verses from. Yeah. Um, and that's, of course, as foundational. Um, the fundamental beliefs of biblical authority are there. Um, there's another book, Did God Use Evolution by Werner Gitt. And this is a, a very good analysis of why God couldn't have used evolution. And it's it's quite a thin book. You can read it in a, quite a short amount of time. But it's it's very good and it's something that's 
you can look at and study. Um, we have uh, Ken Ham's series of books, the Answers books. Uh, there's four of them, and there's also the old original Answers book, and also you can look at the Answers in Genesis website. Um, for all the other uh, opposing information that I looked at, you can look at YouTube, um, any videos about Richard Dawkins, Bill Nye, Neil deGrasse Tyson, people like this that are very high in the uh, secular scientific community. Alright, so there you go. You have two views to go out and to go and look at, research and study. And yeah, we'd encourage you to go and look at all of that. And always remember, I suppose, um, if we use scripture as the basis of our authority... And I'll recommend that people go and read that Bible study, the world's bestseller on our website, to show that we can rely on the Bible. If we use the Bible, we'll always come to the truth, because we worship a God who does not lie to us, who doesn't deceive, but he is defined as the truth. So, Daniel, where can these people find you? Uh, you guys can find me at uh, on YouTube. That's Daniel Peterson. Uh, I'm not sure whether you'll be able to find it too easily, but there will be a link below to the sermon six days, and from there you can find uh, my YouTube channel. And Christopher, where can these people find you? Well, these people can find me here every fortnight on the Afterzone podcast, as well as on my own YouTube channel, Christopher Peterson, and I also write articles for the Mighty Warrior Ministries website. I'm all over the place, so it's pretty easy to bump into me if you're in the MWM or ASP circles. Thank you again so much for joining us here in this podcast. We hope you've been blessed as we've discussed all of the topics here, uh, especially this idea of creation and six days, seven, six days. Thank you for reading that to us, Daniel. Uh, Come back in a fortnight for another episode. And with that said, have a good one and good Good night. night.